The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is your official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. NFL playoffs are here, and it's time to get on the action with MyBookie. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. If you want to make money during the NFL playoffs, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Join now, and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus, and make sure you have a nice bankroll for the upcoming NFL playoff run, including the Super Bowl. Use promo code SGP50 when you deposit to activate the offer. That is promo code SGP50. At MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, and you get paid. We're also brought to you by Odd Shark. Get free picks from the Super Weekender and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content. The latest odds for every big game and big fight from all uh, online major sports books. Betting stats and trends you cannot and will not find anywhere else. And as always, give them a follow on Twitter at Odd Shark and check them out online at oddshark.com. O-D-D-S, shark, S-H-A-R-K.com. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. Today is Friday, January 11th. On the show, we're going to be looking at the wrap-up of the 2018-2019 college football season. Um, We're going to be looking, obviously, wrapping up the Alabama-Clemson game and what a game that it was, Uh, and as well as the early contenders and odds that recently came out for the 2019, or 2020, rather, um, college football playoff, uh, as well as early Heisman candidates. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence going to get so much love there. and everything that was when it comes to college football, wrapping that up on the season that was, and then shifting gears over into the NFL for the divisional wrap-up. Uh, looking back towards uh, towards the last week's show, um, really happy that you guys got to the window uh, with the winner on the first half under for Seattle and Dallas, really never a sweat uh, with Sports Dogma. Um, another best bet hit there. So uh, absolutely thrilled. It was a great wild card weekend. I know uh, Ryan and Sean absolutely crushed it on the other side on the regular show. Um, and everything like that. Colby absolutely handling business on the college basketball side as well. And uh, again, after kind of football season wraps up here on the Inside Vegas side of things, uh, we're going to wrap up, or not wrap up, but look ahead towards the college football ranks. You guys never know. I, you guys know I never really touch too much on the NBA. Um, just not really. Uh, there's so much kind of things wrapped up within the NBA that you could do. It's a soap opera in my opinion. Um, so now we're going to touch really too much on that outside of maybe having someone who specializes in it, talk about things, you know, towards the finals, all that type of stuff as well as myself, but mostly college football or college basketball. Once the uh, football season uh, is done and over and we will be bringing back um, probably one of my favorite episodes that, that I ever did uh, with Monique for the prop challenge um, for the Super Bowl. Uh, probably we'll do the same thing. A thousand dollar bankroll allocating our, however many props that we like um, in, in using money to kind of you know dictate our our favorite props and stuff like that uh, as we get towards the uh, AFC and NFC championship rounds. Um, but before we do that, let's look back at the game and, and the national t- championship game that was between Clemson and Alabama. And obviously, Clemson was a, a very live underdog uh, in this spot. I don't think anyone is discounting the fact that they had zero chance to win. Uh, however, I don't think a lot of people saw this route coming. And you're talking about uh, whatever, 28 points, I believe, um, that they won by. Uh, and really, from the start on Alabama's first possession, um, the pick six and, and things were never the same. You 
you double that up with a mixed extra point. Uh, and Alabama was just never really uh, able to get its footing. I don't believe Alabama ever had the lead uh, in this game. Obviously, uh, blanked in the second half, but I don't, yeah, they never had the lead. Um, you know, I think it was what fourteen, maybe fourteen, thirteen. Alabama had the lead. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, when you look at how that game broke down and Trevor Lawrence had, you know, this was the coming out party, um, and hand up here. I was on a little bit of Alabama first quarter, first half action here, simply because of the fact, if you watch that Notre Dame game, Trevor Lawrence looked absolutely shook with the moment, uh, in the college football playoff when he was playing Notre Dame, um, could not, you know, I think I believe it was 2.4 yards in their first three possessions. Uh, and when you watch somebody's body language, especially a quarterback, you can really see that, uh, Obviously, Notre Dame not on the you know anywhere close to the caliber of Alabama, and, and that was proven much like Oklahoma. However, that being said, I thought it may take Trevor Lawrence a little bit to get going. Uh, now, uh, that, that Alabama bet first quarter was probably a little, little bit of a a bad beat, being as how they uh, scored. Uh, I believe it was the first or second play. In the second quarter, they were at the red zone. If they kicked that field goal 10 seconds earlier, that first quarter bet is a winner. Uh, but I would argue they probably didn't deserve to cover that anyway due to the pick six and, and everything that that went into that. Um, but I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence because uh, I think that not enough, uh, a lot is being made of him, rightfully so, but I would still argue maybe that it's not enough. And when you look at what this kid is, um, this is, again, I am not a scout. I do not know scouts. I'm going to say that first and foremost. This is the best college football quarterback, uh, be it a short sample size I have ever seen. Um, and I watched a lot of Andrew Luck, um, every, you know, college football has always been kind of my bread and butter more than the NFL college has always been, you know, my favorite thing. And to see what he was able to do, uh, was absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, poise in the pockets. Now granted receivers were, you know, a little bit wide open, that type of stuff. Uh, but the throws that he made, you know, you look out, he's the type of guy, you know, much like the Melvin Gordons of the world, or maybe even the Andrew Lux, Jameis has a little bit in this. You look up and you realize, you know, you, you think he's not doing much, right? Uh, but you look up and there's 200 yards, you know, 240 yards. It, it's, it's absolutely crazy. He didn't feel, uh, like he had, you know, uh, all the yards that he did in that game. Um, especially at halftime, because a lot of that was done through the defense. And then you, you, Look at um, his finished game log, 347 on 20 completions, 10.8 yards per attempt, 184. It's absolutely crazy what he was able to accomplish in a, a, you know, 20, a 20 completions from that side. Uh, there were a couple you know, long plays from Justin Ross, T. Higgins, all those type of guys, and uh, NTN ran the ball very well. But at the end of the day, it's it's one of those things that when you look at his uh, sample size, you don't feel that he's doing you know, the, the huge plays aren't there. They're not the flashy, huge things that, you know, you look at when you were tracking a quarterback's, you know, uh, performance through a game, his, his stats really tend to outweigh what you feel he's doing, which is, um, uh, you know, really the mark of, of a great player. Uh, cause the moment doesn't feel too big for him. Um, which I thought that it would be, I thought that this Clemson team would be better a year plus, you know, a year added of Lawrence getting this experience. I thought this Clemson team arrived one year too early. Um, and not to say that they arrived. I think that this is one year too early for Lawrence. Again, first true freshman to win college football playoffs since I believe Oklahoma's guy in 1986. I think it was holiday or something like that. Uh, regardless, an amazing feat. And when you look at the other side with Tua uh, and Jalen Hurts essentially having two you know, national championship level quarterbacks, not that one was going to play, but in the event that something did, uh, we saw how bad Clemson's backup was, although he did lead them to, you know, really save their season almost uh, against Syracuse. Uh, I just thought that 
the subtraction of Clemson's defensive line with another year of Lawrence would be better uh, than Alabama next year. And what we have now, I think, is the absolute you know, kind of opposite. Uh, Alabama and Clemson are not going anywhere. Uh, so if you're tired of seeing this matchup, uh, I'm sorry, because Lawrence, true freshman, uh, Ross, and Tien, all these guys, you look at the other side, Alabama, two are coming back. Um, none of, you know, these teams are only getting better. And uh, when I look at Clemson, the big question is going to be, will they be the same team without this defensive line, which is really their identity of what they were able to do from a game script perspective. Um, having Lawrence was just, you know, a, a huge bonus to them. Uh, they were still very good with Kelly Bryant. Do I think they would have beat Alabama with Kelly Bryant? No. Um, and he's off uh, transferring to Missouri. Uh, but when you look at this, I just, I thought that uh, Lawrence would have arrived a little bit too early. And he proved me wrong. And at that point, you just have to tip your cap and say that that was one of the best performances maybe since uh, Vince Young from a team, you know, that was more on the uh, regular, you know, the personal side player taking the game on their shoulders. This was a full Clemson team effort, offensively, defensively, in special teams. And I don't think it can be overstated what this means. Um, and obviously a little bit of overreaction, I think, is is what this truly means for odds of next year's national championship. When you look at the odds, obviously everything always posted from mybookie.ag, college football um, in the futures market to win the 2020 championship game. So before this game started in even about halftime, uh, when Clemson had a short, short lead, uh, this was flipped. Alabama was three to two. Clemson, I believe, was three to one or four to one. Uh, and when you look at this after what Clemson was able to do, Clemson now sits as the favorite at plus 175, Alabama at plus 250 which is just a little bit of an overreaction. This would be the first time that Alabama is not the primitive favorite going into the season in, I believe, six, seven years. It's been a very long time since Alabama, you know, since Nick Saban got there effectively, uh, was not the favorite to go into the national championship game. And I think that recency bias here is a very real thing. And just because Trevor Lawrence is uh, maybe all-world and the best quarterback prospect, I don't want to, you know, give too much credit off the short sample size because I don't think he played, uh, you know, the best schedule, um, when he was in there. Um, but he beat teams by a wide margin covering spreads, which means you're beating the market expectation of yourself. And when you're able to go in there and do what he did to Notre Dame and Alabama, probably, you know, obviously two of the four best teams in the country, uh, that's, that said something. And so if we're ready to call him the best quarterback prospect, uh, at least since Andrew Luck without question, possibly all time, from a pure college perspective of, of how highly touted somebody is, uh, I get that Clemson is losing their, their identity defensively. And I don't think that can be understated while Alabama is returning basically everybody, uh, in the start, the players that, you know, uh, Harris, uh, these guys that you, um, didn't see necessarily because they're not even starting yet because the depth at Alabama is so deep. Despite being the best player in your state, you may have to sit for a year or two when you go to a program like Alabama. Uh, and sometimes they're, they don't get that opportunity and they're a lot better um, than the you know junior, at least, uh, that's in front of them, our sophomore. Uh, and so when those guys get opportunities, you, you start to see how, how good a, a team can really be. Um, and uh, there was a couple of tweets about this online. When you look at these two team schedules, Colby's going to absolutely love this one. Uh, th this is bad. Look, uh, these two teams are going to be back in the college football playoff, bar none. I don't care what the odds are. They believe they're still right around even money to make it back. When you look at Clemson's football schedule, open up Georgia Tech, toughest game of the year, I would argue, Texas A&M, uh, although they uh, do get that one at home. Charlotte, 
Woford, didn't even know Woford had a football program at South Carolina, which is always the rivalry game. Boston College, Florida State, Wake Forest, Louisville, NC State, North Carolina, and Syracuse. And Syracuse always does play them very tough. I don't see a loss on there outside of Texas A&M, which is early, and it gives them the whole rest of the year to uh, make that loss up, which we saw is absolutely crucial. And when you look at Alabama on the revenge tour, uh, August 31st, Duke in a neutral site game. Uh, <laughs> God, pray for Duke. New Mexico State at South Carolina, Southern Miss, Ole Miss, a bye week, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas, a bye week, and LSU. So, you know, these two teams, again, uh, oh, I'm sorry, and then after LSU, you have Mississippi State, Western Carolina, and Auburn. Auburn, obviously, in the Iron Bowl, which is obviously a tough matchup, but these two teams are going to be right back in this playoff, no matter if either team takes a step back. And truthfully, you know, we saw this with a guy like Darnold. We've seen this with Luck. A quarterback is not everything in college football. It's much more of a team-driven game. So if Clemson does take a step back due to losing their whole defensive line and, and some key pieces out there, uh, Alabama is going to be on the revenge tour. The good news for Clemson, I really feel that A&M game, uh, September 7th, is going to be the one that you circle. If Clemson is going to be upset early, you know, finding their new identity, maybe their defense isn't great. Uh, that's the spot to me. But the good news for them is it, it's week two and they have the whole rest of the year uh, to make up that loss. So both of these teams are, are definitely going to be coming back. Um, I'm just going to touch on some of the other uh, notable odds when it comes to the next year's college football uh, champion. Georgia at eight to one. We have Ohio State 12 to one. Michigan at 14 to 1, Oklahoma 16 to 1, Texas 20 to 1. Uh, it's really about Nebraska 30 to 1, Washington 30 to 1. Um, everyone else really upwards of that. Um, but those are kind of the favorites again. Clemson plus 175, Alabama plus 250, Georgia 8 to 1, Ohio State 12 to 1, Michigan 14 to 1, Oklahoma 16 to 1, Texas 20 to 1, Nebraska, Washington, Florida, Notre Dame, and Oregon all at 30 to 1, uh, and kind of so on. And so uh, that wraps up the the kind of college you know the the college football season that was and surprises sure Notre Dame probably definitely the biggest surprise of the college football season and again want to give a, a really uh, <laughs> Phil Steele nailed that uh, number one surprise team in his magazine and if you're not starting your college football handicapping. Uh, with that magazine, uh, I don't know what to tell you because everything is right there uh, for you. And when we look at Heisman next year, of course, Trevor Lawrence is the favorite, as he should be. I would bet uh, a, a very pretty penny that Trevor Lawrence is going to win a um, Heisman trophy during his tenure at Clemson of at least three years. So when we look at this, Trevor Lawrence, uh, plus 200, Tua, plus 250, Jake Fromm of Georgia, a very live dog at plus 750, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, plus 900, Travis Ntn, Clemson, plus 900, DeAndre Swift, plus 900, Sam Ellinger at 10 to 1, Trey Martell, Ohio State, 11 to 1, Austin Kendall, quarterback, 11 to 1, Jerry Judy, Alabama, again, all these guys coming back for these, these schools. <laughs> Hurts at 20 to 1 as well. KJ Costello, to, uh, 20 to 1. Kelly Bryant transferring to Missouri, 25 to 1. And Khalil Tate, 25 to 1. And so on. The, the point I'm trying to make here is that Trevor Lawrence at plus money, I think, is a a very good bet, uh, much like Alabama at plus 210 to before the season was, much like Clemson plus 475. People have this this fear that if you bet chalk, you're not sharp. And how you know you fade the public and you do all this stuff, and at the end of the day, they come in. And so I think there's nothing wrong with taking the chalk in those situations when they're plus money at plus 200 and plus 250. A little bit of a steal and a little bit uh, short of a price, if you ask me. Uh, but that'll kind of wrap up the uh, college 
football season that was. So let's shift over to the what everyone wants to hear the ahead National Football League divisional round. And I tweeted this out. Uh, really interesting fact here about teams playing or quarterbacks playing left uh, that are playing Tom Brady. None of them have a win. And people will, will always, the first thing you talk about when you talk about the Patriots' success and Tom Brady's success is the fact that they play in the AFC East, the fact they have no uh, resistance to the playoffs. But here it is. No quarterback on any remaining AFC team in the playoffs has ever beaten Tom Brady. When you look at this, Phillip Rivers, 0-7 in his career. Andrew Luck, 0-6. And, and Patty Mahomes, 0-1 on the young year for him. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about, again, when we uh, look back to what last week uh, with the podcast with uh, Sports Dogma, the first year, I know that we touched on this on the DFS show, we touched on this with uh, the regular NFL show with Sean and Ryan. First-year quarterbacks in the playoffs, especially if they also have a first-year head coach. We saw this with Chicago, and I know that you could definitely, <laughs> without question, argue that that was you know all Cody Parkey. But it's very real at this point. Quarterbacks making their first career postseason start, four and twenty-nine straight up, and even worse as a home favorite uh, when they have that home uh, playoff game at four and thirteen ATS. Obviously, last week Jackson, Trubisky, and Watson. Now four and thirty-two straight up, and four and sixteen ATS at home. Uh, so Mahomes does fit this trend again. If you cashed in on this, uh, this you know on Wild Card Weekend betting against those guys. I think you have to, you know, let it let it roll a little bit, at least with a small bet on Indianapolis here, just because uh, even if it loses, so what? You're going to go three and one instead of three and zero. Um, I think you have to make the decision to play that long term game, and you're going to be just fine in the long run. Uh, you you can't pick and choose. If you start picking and choosing, um, you're going to have, you know. Uh, that's where, as we talked about on here, when we bring you know model handicappers on here, that's the question I always ask is, what if your eyes tell you one thing? I think some people would argue that this Kansas City line is a little short, myself maybe included in that. Um, but you have to take into account that I think maybe it's even built in at this point, knowing that Jackson, Trubisky, and Watson all lost. And Andy Reid has been known to to mess up these you know seemingly perfect situations with what they're going to get. So um, let's look ahead to the matchups upcoming. Uh, it This roll, rolls right into the one that I want to talk about. So Indianapolis to KC. KC is currently sitting at five in the market, total sitting at 57. Both these been up are been bet up. KC has been right around five to a six and five and a half uh, out in the market in Vegas. And the total being bet up as well at from 55 to 57. Uh, Marlon Mack is going to have a day here. I think that makes the most sense from a prop market perspective. This KC defense is... The, if anything holds them back, it, it's going to be this defense. I don't think that that's groundbreaking, uh, you know, a groundbreaking announcement to say that Casey's defense is awful. We have targeted them in DFS all year. We have targeted them in the prop market all year, and specifically the running backs. Eric Reed, or I'm sorry, not Eric Reed, Eric Berry uh, out for this game as well, and, and the bizarre career trajectory that he has continues. Um, there's going to be points. The, there's no doubt about that. Um, highest total on the board for a reason. We touched on this all on the DFS podcast. Both of these teams are going to have success. And whichever one kind of gets out to that lead and the other team is playing catch-up, I don't even know who that favors because I think one will, if they have a lead, will be able to, or not be able to, but want to tend to play more conservatively as you do with a lead. And I think that if both teams go out here with you know their hair on fire looking to not play scoreboard and just go out there and sling the rock around, uh, offensive guys that enjoy watching that type of game, especially over betters, obviously, are going to absolutely love this. Uh, there's 
obviously DFS wise, we touched on this, but there's so much potential for, for pieces and points and props and all that type of stuff here, more than a side in total. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to have a little piece of Indianapolis at plus five and a half, just because, uh, I faded all the quarterbacks that we talked about in week one. Uh, and so what I really believe is when you have that equity, you can afford to take that loss effectively. Right. And so as a principal play, uh, likely going to be taking a piece of, in, of Indianapolis. That being said, at first glance, you know, that trend has really kind of trumped everything for me in terms of my handicapping. And when you, when you throw that one out, this seems a little bit low from the Kansas city side. And I know their defense is awful. Uh, I've said that time and time again, I just think the firepower Look, Indianapolis has T.Y. Hilton, and they're going to be able to run the ball. Running the ball takes time. Uh, and so if you employ the game plan to run the ball 100 times, um, use Ebron and use Hilton, that's kind of their whole offense. Uh, so you have to hope to hold KC to three. And there's just more weapons on the offensive side from Kansas City. Granted, they don't have the running attack anymore, uh, but they have... Kelsey, they have Hill. Uh, Watkins, obviously likely to be active, at least on a play count, on a pitch count. They have just a little bit more, even Conley, I would take over many of Indianapolis's other receivers. Um, and so there's just more ways to get the job done. Um, but I do not think it can be understated what a, for, again, last year, we saw this with Jared Goff. Two years ago, we saw this with Dak Prescott. And the next year, they tend to do a lot better. Uh, we saw this again with Dak this year, you know, his second playoff spot. Watson is going to be a guy next year I'm really going to look to get behind. Trubisky, probably the same thing, especially with a guy like Nagy. If that defense is, you know, the same as it is, I, I do not think Trubisky is, I did not think he was going to be uh, even half of what he is this year. So he's already proved me wrong, much like Jared Goff is, or J Jared Goff did. Um, but I was hard against betting uh, against Goff and the Rams uh, as an underdog last year and cashed in big. Same thing with Dak Prescott, and which is the lead into this next game. Dallas heads to the road, uh, seven point favorites for the Rams and a total sitting at 49 and a half. This one to me, game script wise, game plan wise, seems very simple. Dallas is going to want to run the ball uh, about a hundred times. They're going to want to shorten this and hope to to keep LA uh, from kicking two kick field goals instead of touchdowns. Now there is no doubt since that Rams game or since the Chiefs game, they have not the Rams have not been the same. The same thing can be said for once they lost Cooper Cup have not been the same since that bye week. Obviously, they went three and two, which on the surface doesn't look bad when you look at who they played. Lions. They lost to the Bears. They lost to the Eagles. They beat the Cardinals and they beat the 49ers. Granted, they did put up 30 points in three out of, um, I'm sorry, four out of the five last weeks of the season, but they didn't look great doing it. Uh, I will say that. And a, a team like Chicago showed that they can play defense on them. And the, the, as the old saying goes, defense wins championships. Dallas's defense is without a doubt better than the Rams' defense, although at times uh, the Rams. I think a lot of this is uh, garbage time. A lot of it is preventive as well. So sometimes the Rams defense looked a little bit worse than it actually was. Um, but Cooper Cup, as is, is weird as it is to say, that outlet was really what you know looked to make this offense flows because everyone could kind of slide into their natural roles. Now you have Woods, you have Cooks and their natural roles, and you have a banged up Todd Gurley. That being said, as I stated, the second time quarterbacks and much like Nagy and uh, Trubisky, Goff and McVay were first-year players in the playoffs in that deadly combination uh, to bet against. The second time around is usually very profitable. Um, I don't have those numbers off the top of my head when the same two uh, reach the playoffs the next year. 
but I think it's easily like here for the Rams makes a ton of sense uh, at worst. And at, at the end of the day, I would definitely lean towards laying it here with the Rams. I just don't think Dallas can, is going to be able to keep up. And if they fall behind, forget it. It's over uh, because Zeke is the best player. Probably it, he's the best player on the Cowboys. I'd argue Gurley is probably the, the most talented on the field and the receivers. I don't think is close. You have Cooper on one side and no one else. You have Woods, you have Cooks. You have a little, you know, girly. You have a lot more options. Again, more pass to victory for the Rams here. Um, so definitely when laying it, but at the very least, I think this makes a great teaser opportunity for Jared Goff and the LA Rams. Next up, we have the Chargers and everyone's favorite public underdog, which never really, never really uh, bodes good things. Goes and heads to Foxborough as four-point dogs with a total sitting at 47.5. Uh, look, I get it. New England has not looked like themselves. Uh, they had a great game in week 17 against the Jets. It's the Jets, so I largely discount that one. That being said, this is Tom Brady. This is January in Foxborough in the playoffs. I know there's no Josh Gordon. I would argue Gronkowski's maybe the healthiest he's ever been in a postseason uh, in what is likely, more likely than not, his last season in New England. Uh, I just think they have one more run in them. And again, as I touched on at the top, Philip Rivers 0-7 in his career against New England. Uh, if you've been a fan of the NFL for a long time, you undoubtedly remember the last time Rivers went to New England. Uh, came up j just short, uh, the Tomlinson game before that. There's been so many instances. Uh, this is kind of the monkey off the back, much like uh, Peyton Manning in New England. Brady and the Patriots have been the kryptonite of the Chargers. This is a little bit of a different Chargers team in that they're a little more defensively built. Uh, that being said, this is the first time Keenan Allen's probably gotten this far into a into a season uh, in his career with all the injuries he's had. Look, I, I would just argue, I get the Chargers love. I've seen some, um, uh, not necessarily professionals, but people I really, really trust uh, on this Chargers team. And I fully understand that, you know, I, again, I was someone who was on the Chargers last week, fading Jackson, fading the first-year quarterback narrative. This Chargers team was, I think a little bit of this is that they were somewhat of the public darling. I think there's a lot of people out there holding some some Chargers to win the AFC uh, love out there from preseason, which is obviously, you probably saw that on prop swaps to, uh, to guarantee yourself a little bit of profit. When we look at this number split here, 61% of tickets coming in on the Chargers, only 40% on Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, I think is a little bit, dare I say, disrespectful. Again, X's and O's. This probably leans with the Chargers. You know, I probably would lean towards the Chargers at the end of the day until it stops making money and they stop going to seven straight AFC championship games. I don't know how I get how you don't take uh, some of New England. Um, I think this maybe has a little bit of of something like the Clemson Alabama feel to it in a lot of people's mind because of again recency bias, which is a very real thing. I just wouldn't count out the Patriots for dead uh, due to a lackluster regular season. And by the way. If they don't lose that meaningless Miami game, they're sitting here at 12 and four. Everyone cashes their season win total bets. Nobody's upset. Uh, and maybe we're not having this discussion. And when you look at teams that New England has lost to this year, right? So we really break this down. Uh, they lost to the Jaguars in what was the Jaguars Super Bowl. Uh, that was not the Jaguars team that held to fruition. I realize that Jaguars team looks, that loss looks very bad at this point, right? That was revenge for the AFC Championship game. That is a very real thing. Next, you have Matt Patricia coming to town. And again, a Herculean effort. They rattle off eight straight wins. They lose to the Titans in a divisional round. 
rematch playoff matchup, right? You lose to the Dolphins in a situational spot in December that I everyone has sit here and told you that they struggle in that spot every single year. I believe they lost three straight or four, four out of five, like 0-6 ATS in that spot. Uh, and you have the Steelers that are the, you know, uh, always a, a tough matchup. Everything other than that is, you know, if the if the Patriots got the Jaguars in December and November instead of September 16th in the second week of the season, and they went in Miami, they've lost three games. You know, are, are we really talking about this team who's Brandon Cooks away uh, from being the same receiving core? Again, minus Josh Gordon, which reverts back to being Brandon Cooks away. This New England team is a different animal in the playoffs, and I would just caution you to count them out for dead because of the Chargers beating Lamar Jackson, uh, needing every, you know, needing a, a last-second strip fumble uh, in the closing moments of that game, almost giving that that game away in, in typical Chargers fashion before you go on load on some plus money at, at, for the Chargers here. I, I get it. I'm going with New England until they stop going to ASU Championship games for seven years in a row. Finally, probably one of the most intriguing matchups in our, in in this weekend, Philadelphia and Nick Foles and Big Dick Nick and everything that this team is, you can't discount anymore. Heads to New Orleans into the Superdome. New Orleans, eight points. I want to talk about this line a little bit because it was um, it came out right around eight. It got bet up to eight and a half. There was nine showing in some spots and professional money came back on the dog, obviously looking for a little bit of a middle opportunity there from professionals. This Saints team... They fixed, you know, obviously their biggest issues have always been defense and they fixed that. And at 13 and three, you know, facing against this wounded Philadelphia team whose cornerbacks are on their seventh string and, and they're using that to galvanize and they've been here before and, and Foles in the playoffs. And I get that. Um, and at a certain point, if someone, if something keeps, you know, there's something to be said. I've said this time and time again for the Alex Smiths of the world, for the Nick Foles of the world, for the Sean Watsons who just win no matter how ugly the peripherals are. It's, it's a really a reason I feel that Tim Tebow should have got another shot, despite the mechanics, despite everything. Winners are hard to come by in the National Football League, and when you have one, I don't think you, I think you'd largely have to throw out the noise and just let football players play football. Sometimes. That being said, uh, this to me feels like with this this run is coming to an end for Philadelphia. I think this is probably the most attractive teaser lake on the schedule here uh, for New Orleans, down to a minus two. If you get where I'm going with this best bet here, uh, Rams minus one, New Orleans minus two, I think makes a ton of sense, at least for, you know, a normal bet size wager for the best bet for the week for inside Vegas here. I just don't know how in the dome, uh, Philadelphia stops this New Orleans team with Nick Foles. And I know Nick Foles has been great. And one thing I do want to touch on here for kind of the, the second, uh, best bet of the week, when these two teams played the last time, uh, this is really where I, I dug in. And was able to find a, a you know use a loss because I was on this over uh, the first time that they played and really use it to uh, make money the rest of the year. So in let me bring this up right now. Uh, the Saints. So this was uh, 48-7 trouncing to the Saints, right? Even what you would assume would be a lot of garbage time here. I said this on the DFS podcast. I said this on this podcast before. This is the week Traycon Smith went off. Zach Ertz, two for 15. I really, really took that to kind of to heart and wanted to understand how it, in such a good matchup with garbage time, they were not able to really do anything, uh, especially with Wentz, who, as you know, Alshon Jeffrey is deeply, deeply connected to Nick Foles, while Carson Wentz is deeply connected to Zach Ertz. And you've seen that in the last month of the season play out here. 
again, as, as Sean will tell you, besides one game, this the Saints defense game plans to stop the tight end. They have not allowed over, I believe, 45 yards to any single tight end in the 2018-2019 NFL season. So we're going to go under, without a doubt, the uh, inflated Zach Ertz yardage prop that will be on the standalone last game of the week uh, for this one. Because, uh, again, uh, this New Orleans team game plans to stop the tight end. That's their best weapon. Uh, and on top of that, Foles does not look Ertz's way nearly as much as Carson Wentz. And there's something to be said for that when you know like, somebody's going to be game plan to be taken out of and they're not the number one target. They're now the, you know, three, probably the two target, but uh, Golden Tate in there, uh, Aguilar, balls being spread around by full. So it, this prop is without a doubt going to be a couple yards inflated. You're going to get, you know, the public on the over here. Wait until the last possible moment before a book takes off the prop uh, and go under the total on Zach Arts as well for the uh, best bet for the Inside Vegas podcast this week, guys. Um, and we will have the a full rundown of the championship weekend, crowning another AFC and NFC uh, champion this week. And then obviously again into, we're well, not going to touch on the Pro Bowl because I don't think anyone even watches that anymore. Um, and then heading towards the Super Bowl where we will do another prop challenge. Last week was, or last year rather, was incredibly successful with Monique. We both did super, super well. Um, I believe we did that one on the, um, on the regular. I don't think, uh, we had this show back then, uh, last year, I think it was on, we brought Monique on to do that, uh, with Sean Ryan and myself. So it'd be cool to have her back on. We'll do the inside Vegas show, uh, and do the prop challenge for the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, guys, it was a great a year of college football. Hope you guys enjoyed, um, the many, many different handicappers that we had on to kind of show you some different handicapping styles, built the model of, you know, chasing trends. The second half total, uh, trend did super, super well. Um, when we talked about the first half, if the first half goes over, you can do that pregame as well. Although a ton of them did go first half over. So you had to sweat about, you know, a, a three point position, uh, if you will. Uh, so it did really well. Um, I hope it brought some great insight to you guys and you, and you really enjoyed it. So we're going to be finishing up next weekend with the AFC Championship, the NFC Championship, and then heading on to the Super Bowl before we really break down into college football, a little bit of offseason stuff and, and uh, MLB win totals. I want to touch on this as well. First MLB win totals hit the market, I believe, two days ago on Tuesday uh, with Caesars Palace being the first one to drop that. Usually it is a, a rink-a-ding book. I feel like it's the Atlantis out in Nevada. That is, I forget the name of the casino. I should have looked it up. Is the first one. It's kind of a tradition that they're the first. Um they, Caesars beat them in the marketplace this year. They've taken they're taking about a thousand dollar bets on this, as I heard on VSIM. And so they are available. So we're going to be doing um, a much earlier than most, I would say, uh, baseball podcast for uh, season win totals. Obviously, props aren't even close to being uh, written out yet or, or announced or anything like that. But we'll do a a way too early look. Maybe we'll uh, have Bowser on something like that. But baseball always been the bed, bread and butter uh, of me and my handicapping as well. So uh, so excited that baseball season just around the corner and that season win totals are out. I left Caesars with a couple win totals already. So stay tuned for that on what are two of my favorite of the year uh, currently aligned there. Uh, despite the two highest priced free agents in the market and Manny Machado and Bryce Harper yet to sign. Uh, some dominoes falling uh, with White Sox signing. You know, Machado's two best friends effectively is a little bit of a lowering ploy, um, but getting ahead of ourselves. So hope you guys enjoyed the college football season that was on the Inside Vegas podcast and look forward to the rest two more weeks of NFL, really three with the buy in there for, for football um, before we start breaking off into college basketball uh, and major league baseball. As always, please rate, subscribe and review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.